1039 WDKX Wake Up Club. Thank you for making this a part of your day. A lot going on, and uh, latest update on what's going on with Leticia Astacio. Who better to tell it than Leticia Astacio? What's going on? Good morning. Um, again, so I just, I had been here the other day um, to kind of talk to everyone, and afterwards I thought about it, and I didn't really love the way that the conversation went. Not that it went poorly, mm-hmm. it just didn't necessarily go the way that I wanted it to. And so, I wanted to come back and have another conversation that I've struggled um, significantly with internally addressing this mm-hmm. issue that has come up for me because, believe it or not, I'm usually a private person. I'm not anymore because um, I don't get to be, but I used to be. And this is a legal matter. I'm an attorney. I don't normally discuss legal matters publicly. Um, but in this particular instance, I feel as though I have an obligation to um, the people because I am a public person now much more so actually than I was even when I was a judge, I feel um, there's a stronger connection that I feel I have now to the city and to the people in the city than I did even when I was on the bench. Um, So as much as I may want to say that this is private, I don't feel like it gets to be. I don't I don't feel like it's fair um, to say, you know, mind your business or or leave me alone, not to the people who've supported me, not to my clients who've helped me rebuild my life, not to anyone. So um, this is completely different than anything I would normally do in my capacity as an attorney, but I, I feel like I owe everyone an explanation. So um, I want to start by being grateful and, and saying that I appreciate everybody who continues, like, I don't know, four years later to ride and to defend me and to say, you know, leave her alone. You guys are always bothering her. You're always at her. This is a witch hunt. This is what a lynching actually looks like. Um, and they do bother me a lot, guys. But this ain't that. This ain't that. Um, from the beginning, if you remember, I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. Um... This all happened in 2015, and starting early on in 2016, as soon as the conviction came down, I said, I just need this to end. I need this to be over, and I need to be able to live my life. Whatever that looks like now, that's all I need. And I I was very vocal, as much as I could be at the time, about the fact that I had been diagnosed with situational depression. That wasn't new. That was something that happened previously in my life. I'm a very strong person, but when I'm going through something and there is no end in sight, I cannot cope. I cannot deal. I'm a completely different person. I don't have hope. And a hopeless me is a whole different me because I'm a pretty optimistic person who's who's usually pretty full of hope. I'm sorry, I have notes because there's stuff I have to say and I'm emotional and I don't want to forget. But so I said, I need this to end. And to be honest with you, I tried really hard. I got lots of substance abuse evaluations and I tried to be an alcoholic because that's the box everybody wanted me to be in, but I I couldn't fit. Nobody ever said I needed that. They said I was depressed and I would have rather be an alcoholic than be depressed any day because I know mad alcoholics. My grandma was an alcoholic, but if I'm depressed, I'm weak and I can't cope and I can't handle my life. So that was humiliating beyond measure to admit that, and, and I had to. And so when I acknowledged that, I, I came back to saying this has to end because if it doesn't end, I'm not gonna be in a good place. And I brought documentation from a therapist, like I'm not gonna be okay, I need to know when this is over. Um, and and it, it isn't ending, 
ever, it seems like, because it's about to be 2020. If you remember, when I was initially resentenced to probation, I said, that's that's not going to be an option. I'll take a year right now. And everybody said, you're so defiant. What kind of judge won't obey a judge's order? What nobody else knew, because I don't, I don't know why everyone thinks I'm stupid, but what no one else knew is that as a judge, I couldn't be a judge serving a sentence, sentencing people. So when he told me that I was getting three years probation, he told me that I was being removed from the bench right then. And I knew that. And you guys didn't know that. And I couldn't say anything. But I had already been removed from the bench immediately upon my arrest, which happens to no one. I had had all of my cases taken. I had no no relationship at all with the community. I had been ostracized and nobody knew me and I didn't go out because I was embarrassed. And so no one had an opportunity to know anyone about anything about me and everything that they said they believed. So she's defiant. No, I was trying to keep a job that I worked my whole life to defy the odds to get in the first place that was slipping through my fingers no matter what I did. Because if you remember, when I was there initially, I was like, I don't even know how this is happening. How am I getting probation? What did I do? I'm a judge. I should know what I did. That's that's a whole nother story. So that's why I have notes. I knew right then that that was the end of my career. And you watched me struggling to be respectful in court, to be in my place as a defendant, to not be a lawyer and advocate for myself. And to save something that I had built against the odds. So I said, I'll eat it. The worst thing that you can give me for a misdemeanor DWI is a year in jail. I'll eat that year. I want to keep my job and my position and I want to know when this ends. That wasn't an option. So fine, whatever. I went to jail and then I got probation. I never said that that was appropriate. In fact, I always held it was illegal. I repeatedly attempted to challenge it. The purpose of probation is for you to obtain an education. I have a Juris Doctorate degree. I'm more educated than my probation officer. That's not me being arrogant. That's accurate. I was a judge when I got placed on probation. I'm a lawyer now. I out-earn my probation officer. That's not me being arrogant. I don't I don't know how he's going to help me in either of those venues. Again, drug and alcohol abuse is a reason to be placed on probation, but there's not one document, literally one document from any agency that supports that I have a drug or alcohol problem, which is the first step to getting into any type of treatment. So it was never an option. From the beginning, I thought the purpose of probation was to remove me from the bench, to humiliate and to degrade me and to put me in my place. But I went, I did it. Even though my lawyer stood up in court and said, she's never gonna report, she's He said that, I did it. Thinking that I wasn't legally sentenced, thinking that I didn't have to appear, thinking that they had no jurisdiction over me. And on, on appeal, I got, I, I was upheld on several cases with the scrambers, but I did it. I said, I didn't have to pay for this bracelet. I did it because I'm trying to comply. And the court of appeals, agreed. well, I don't know which court, I don't even want to lie, but one of them agreed. Yeah, you did never have to pay for this. Mm. I did it knowing I didn't have to do it, trying not to be in this situation. But the purpose was always to degrade me and to humiliate me. Just like when I was told to use the back door to come into the courthouse when I was a judge. The purpose was to have me stand in line with defendants that I previously wasn't allowed to stand next to no matter what. 
The purpose was for me to get searched and to once again be put down. It served no purpose other than to break me. But I did it. Taxpayers were so concerned about their dollars and you don't even know how much it costs for me to be on probation a year. I'm literally the only probation officer, the only probationer my probation officer supervises. I'm his entire caseload. I wasn't working when that happened, right? I wasn't allowed to work. I was actually on medical leave that never came out, but I had been diagnosed with depression and I wasn't allowed to go to work. My doctor had pulled me. So it wasn't so difficult to go to probation and comply with what he said when all I did was lay in the bed all day and contemplate my existence, right? I could get up, I could go there. Don't leave the county, that wasn't a problem. I didn't leave the bed. I could do that then. <laughs> but remember, I told you I'm, I'm so grateful. Because thank you, Jesus, that's not where I am today, baby. I'm booked and busy. I can't breathe. I get calls all day. I'm constantly in court. I cannot believe where my life is right now. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm thankful because this was supposed to destroy me. But God, I cannot meet clients and, and do speaking engagements and all of the opportunities that I'm presented with to, to talk to the community, to do outreach to the community, to intercede where there's police hostility. I did a SWAT negotiation the other day and I was thinking I'm supposed to report this to probation because it's police contact, but I'm here confidentially on behalf of my client. And so it's really not appropriate. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do ethically because they're at me all the time, bro. And if I make a mistake, I don't know. And I cannot live like this. I can't do it. I'm super strong, guys, but I'm a human being and I think everyone forgets that and I can't do it. I can't be both of these things. So I did everything I know how to do, right? I went to probation. I said, guys, I've been on probation over two years. I've been on a 10-month conditional discharge. Like, I've served mad sentences. Can we stop now? Mm -hmm. Anybody else would be off after a year and a half, and this there's legitimately no purpose. Can you please let me off of probation? It's interfering with my ability to make a living. You, no, you're not getting off probation. So I didn't know what to do, right? But I got charged with a felony erroneously, that I was acquitted of, all because of probation. When probation dismissed the violation of probation pending with the felony, no, they kept going with the felony. Mm -hmm. Cost me tens of thousands of dollars, had to go to Syracuse, got arrested the week that I went before judicial commission to testify on my own behalf. Literally, I'm negotiating with the investigator saying, can you please arrest me next week? Friday is a really important day for me. I can't be in jail. I have to go beg for my job. Can you please arrest me next week? Sorry, see, this is why I need my notes. I said, I'll wait until after the felony. After the felony, they'll do the right thing. You know, they'll, they'll stop. Felony goes away. I go back. I say, can I please get off of probation? No, absolutely not. What are we addressing? Your alcoholism. I, you have absolutely no proof that I drink. And I'm 38, homie. If I'm an alcoholic and you're not, you should pick up a bottle because I'm doing better than you. Like, why? That is arrogant, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to be arrogant, but I'm angry, and I'm not even allowed to be angry. Let me ask you this. Why do you think, like I mentioned the other day, there's been other judges that's been in the news for doing things just as bad as you, or if not worse, why do you think that you're being treated like this versus the other judge? And being, why do you think that Rochester is the second worst congressional district to live in in America for black people? Why, why do you think that? 
Why do you think that the idea that I even got here in the first place is lost on them when they ignore the community that elected me and say they remove me because they lost faith in my ability to sit as a judge when they all call me judge now more than they did then? What do you mean? Because the point is to break me and I laugh in the face of everything they do to destroy me, not because I'm not hurt, but because I refuse to be broken. And that is defiance to them, that's not strength. And so I don't know how to be, see you ask me a question instantly, my tears turn off because I was talking to you from a place of realness and emotion and it turns into a place of anger so quickly because mm. this is very clear what this is. Mm. It's not even just probation, right? Probation is an issue, but it's beyond probation. I can't go into the hall of justice where I work, where I go several times a day without getting searched, without standing in line and going through magnometers. So I go to court one day and I usually wear slides because my shoes make the machine beep and it takes longer. And my client goes, isn't it kind of unprofessional to come to court in slides? And I said, it is. I come to court in slides because unlike every other attorney here, I don't get to bypass the metal de detectors. Mm -hmm. I have to stand in line next to you to remind me that I'm not as good as anyone else here, that I'm not an attorney, that I'm not a judge, as a constant reminder every time I come into this building mm -hmm. of being knocked down a peg. And then I go to court, and if you know anything about court, there's one building and then there's another building. Sometimes I have to leave one building to go to the other building, so I leave, I go stand in line again until I get in and then I come out and I stand in line again. That can add an hour and a half to my day. Literally, just standing in line to get to my clients. Yeah. When I go into the back, I have a deputy escort me into the back to see judges. I can't go to the jail again without a deputy escorting me. I have dogs come by and sniff me. I'm on probation. They're letting a probationer, a known probationer into the jail. The other day, a client or a wannabe client asked me for my card. I handed it to him. The deputies came over and said, you can't hand anybody anything. Mm -hmm. I can't do both. I can't leave the county without permission. I am getting contacted for speaking engagements, mm -hmm. not outside of the county, outside of the state. I've been invited outside of the country. This is international news. We might not be able to acknowledge this in Rochester for what it is, but other people on the outside looking in are like, a judge got removed over a DWI? How did a judge get arrested for DWI? Anywhere, like seriously, this is the real conversation everywhere else. So I, you know exactly what it is. And guys, I didn't want to violate probation. I didn't want to force myself into the news. I didn't want to jeopardize everything. Be clear, I could still go to jail for this. 1039 WD. K-X. And I thought, you know, I don't do appellate work, so I thought that that would be a quick turnaround. And then I told my probation officer that I wished him nothing but the best, that it had been a really good opportunity getting to know him, even though I didn't like it, and that I would not be seeing him again. Um, that irrespective of what reporting requirements he may have, ha he may have, it was interfering with my ability to live my life and make a business and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do both. And I chose my own prosperity. I chose what was actually benefiting me. And so I told him he wouldn't see me again and I meant it. I didn't go back to probation. That's that's not untrue. I didn't want to violate. It's just not something I can do. So now I'm going to try to stick to my notes and, and say why. I already told you about how I can't go through the Hall of Justice without the magnometers, how I have to stand in line. Um, when I go to jail, I went, 
One of the first times I went to jail to visit a client, they called Judge Doran on the phone to ask him if I had been disbarred. In front of my client's family that had just retained me, in front of everyone in the jail, they said they didn't believe I was a lawyer. <laughs> then I uh, had to wait about two hours before my client was brought down. That happens regularly. I have to wait over a half an hour to see my clients. My clients get additional searches when they leave. I can't give things to people in visits like my card, which is how attorneys advertise. All other attorneys can do that. I can't do that. I assume it's because I'm on probation. That's at least the excuse I've been given. Um, I get escorted into chambers. I get escorted into jail. I get escorted into pretrial conferences, which is weird because deputies, first of all, need to sit at the desk. So they get in trouble sometimes for leaving the desk to escort me because the desk is unmanned and that's awkward. And also they have to sit in a pretrial conference where they're really not supposed to be. So that's awkward. Approximately a year ago to the date, I applied for a secure pass to gain entry into the Hall of Justice and it won't get approved, but it won't get denied because if it gets denied, then I get to appeal the denial. It's just sitting it's been sitting for a year. It takes three to six weeks to get a secure pass. And there's actually an attorney in the community um, that, well, he's not an attorney anymore, who was arrested for bringing um, hacksaw blades into the jail and people actually escaped. And I saw him the other day and I said, hey, when that happened, did they take your secure pass? And he said, immediately upon being convicted of a felony, they, they took my secure pass. And I said, before you were convicted of a felony, could you still get in and out of court going through the secure line? Did you have to go through the mags? And he's like, no, I never had to go through the mags. They can't take my secure path if I haven't been convicted of a felony. I'm still an attorney. It's an attorney entrance. And I thought, yeah, because I'm not an idiot. That's what I thought. I, that's exactly what I thought. But it's a year later and I don't have a secure pass. The only explanation I've ever got is that I'm on probation. I go to probation to get pre-sentence investigations with my clients and the probation officers know I'm on probation. It's the most awkward thing in the world. They call me. They don't know how to refer to me. They don't know what phone number to call me on. They don't know if they should talk to me through my probation officer. It's so strange. Um, I already talked about leaving the county. My daughter goes to school in Buffalo now. She's in college. If I go to my daughter's dorm without permission, I've just violated probation, not to mention the multiple cases that I have out of county, the speaking engagements and the business opportunities that I can't engage in. I told you about police contact and how that is not possible. I forgot to mention that because I didn't have an opportunity to challenge my conditions of probation when I was sentenced like everyone else, I have search conditions. So if I give a client a ride in my car, they're potentially subjected to a search of their person in violation of their Fourth Amendment rights because it's my car and I have search conditions under my conditions of probation for a misdemeanor DWI five years ago. It's really hard for me to understand, guys, why I am supposed to keep doing this. No matter what, I can't. <laughs> like it... Or don't like it. I mean, it, down to the most simple things, right? I went to uh, my client, my client who was in a very trying situation, just became a nurse practitioner, and I was able to get her degree released. They were holding it, and I don't normally talk about my clients, and this is going to be as abstract as possible, but her college was holding her degree, and I sent over correspondence, and they released it, and they were saying that they might never give it to her. It was a big deal, and I wanted to buy her a bottle of rosé, and I couldn't. Because I'm the only person in the world who had to go back to court to get the terms and probations modified of their terms and conditions of probation modified because I went to Market View Liquor to make Mother's Day gifts and I had to go back. I am no longer even allowed to purchase alcohol, mm. let alone use it. Like I'm 38 years old. 
You want to just humiliate and micromanage me in every facet of my life indefinitely. And I just have a real hard time with that. So I complied as much and as long as I could. Not because I'm afraid of going to jail, because I said two years ago I would do a year. And not because I'm some gangster, but because I actually respect the law. I actually believe in it. I actually know that after a year and a half of probation, everyone gets terminated. Even people who have records, even people who, everyone gets terminated if they, you know, you're not an issue. And I know I'm being supervised for no reason. I filed a motion. I thought, okay, here, I'll do this. But I can't do it. I filed a motion in July, nothing, August, nothing, September, nothing, October, violation of probation. How else was I supposed to get anybody's attention? I've been saying this was an illegal sentence for three years and I've been serving it and nobody cares but me. Mm. I can't live. I used every legal means that I knew available to me to try to resolve this issue, but nobody seems to care and I can't live. And, and I am, so it's hard to juxtapose that because I'm thriving and things are great, but just because I carry it well doesn't mean it's not heavy. Mm-hmm. This is coming at a significant price to my own personal mental health. Every day, I have to be reminded repeatedly of this fall from grace. And I'm on the come up. Like There's no reason to, to still be doing this. What purpose does it serve? The criminal justice system is not supposed to destroy you. That's not what it's here for. That's not what probation is for. We're not supposed to be in the business of breaking people. So every time I go to court, which is one of my favorite places in the world to be, I die a little bit inside because I know I have to put my head down and humble myself and subject myself to just degradation for no purposes, for no reason other than to be degraded. And it sucks. And that was the point, because if you don't know this, Court of Appeals is clear that removal from the bench, it's literally considered career suicide. They say, and that was the argument, do not kill this woman's career. She's 36 years old. She was 33 years old when she became a judge. That's saying something. Mm. Do, don't kill it. Especially when we can have an election and let the people decide, and there's a lot of support for her being reelected. But they did. At 37 years old, the Court of Appeals killed my career. And at 38, it has been resurrected from the dead. And there is no point but to destroy me at this point. You know, they, I, and I, I, look back to my notes. I, want, I wanted to say this for sure. The Court of Appeals killed my career at 37, or so they thought. But God. But God. This is nothing but God. This is not me. I'm not anybody. I didn't do anything here besides break down and try to hide it and come back. And I did. They never expected to deal with me again in life. When they placed me on probation, they didn't think they would ever see me again. They thought that I would get removed from the bench and I would go quietly away somewhere because they would have eaten a shotgun. They could have never thought about rebuilding from the bottom. That it never would have happened. No one ever fathomed being here where I have a successful practice and they have to see me regularly. But here we are every day. Every day I'm in court. I'm about to go to court right now. I have to hurry up and shut up because I'm on my way to court and then court. And then like I'm struggling to rebuild the foundation of my life that the criminal justice system ripped through like a tornado. I'm literally saying, okay, you got that. I'm going to just take my bricks over here and I'm going to rebuild this right here from the ground up. And they're stealing my bricks. Mm. 
I'm not asking anybody for anything but to be done. And they're stealing my bricks. Like, this is not fair. <laughs> and I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, it feels like it can happen forever. This was 2015. I have no idea when this is supposed to end. There was a time I was incarcerated and they're saying that probation was told, even though no one told me probation would be told if I took a plea. I said I only pled to get a... I don't even know when this is supposed to end, literally. Mm. Ignition interlock was supposed to come off of my car. Legally, it can't be on your car for more than three years. My three years was up in August. It's still on my car. I know the law. So when people say, well, when is it over? I'm not being, you know, evasive. Yeah. It should have been over. I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. And I feel like I'm in purgatory forever. So you may not agree with my methods. You may not agree with my practice. You may not agree with anything I'm doing, but I need it to end. And I said that three years ago. And so I don't want to go to jail. Like, I got kids. I can't believe I've ever been to jail over a misdemeanor DWI. I've done over three months in jail. I don't want to go to jail. But this has to end. And if the court thinks that the community will be best serviced by placing me in custody, then that's a risk I'm willing to take because I cannot continue to do this. Mm. That's how much I mean it. That's how much I meant it. That's how much I meant it the whole time and still tried my best. I can't do it. I need it to end. So I respect the law a lot, but it's very difficult to do so when I know that if I would have been at work and I would have beat a civilian who was walking to community service to the point that his orbital socket was fractured and his ribs were broken, I would have gotten three years probation. Same sentence I got right now. I know that if I would have torn down a statue to Frederick Douglass while screaming racial epithets in the middle of the city and carried it away, I would have gotten community service. Something I do regularly without anybody telling me to because that's who I am. I know that if I would have been a seated judge and stolen $350,000 from my clients, to whom I owed a fiduciary duty, I would have never even been charged. I know that because all three of those things happened right here in Rochester, and I'm still on probation, facing additional jail time. It's hard for me to respect that kind of justice. So I'm here just bearing my little soul to you guys because I think I owe you an explanation. And I think that the appropriate disposition is time served because I think enough has been enough. But I face a range of sanctions and I am throwing myself on the mercy of the court. Thus far, the court hasn't been very merciful to me. So whatever happens on Friday, I want you to all know why I ended up here. And I wanted to say that I appreciate you all because... So many of you didn't need this story. So many of you didn't even need this explanation. You were like, I don't even care. I'm done here. And that's why I definitely owed it to you.